the song that was we just sung about God is able to make me more than what you know what what I need to be. He's able to make me that in our, in my life. It's very appropriate for our message today because we are talking, continuing our series on Peter and how that God has in this developmental process of working with Peter has changed him. Now, if you remember, we this is our third or fourth message on Peter, and we in the first ones we spoke about how that God had called Peter, and uh, he left his position as a fisher, uh, fisherman, and followed Jesus, and then we had him on the Sea of Galilee with the other disciples, and they were in this great storm, and Jesus came walking to the boat in the, you know, about 4 o'clock in the morning out on the ocean, and out on the sea, and Jesus was walking on the water, and Peter says, well, if it's you, Jesus, bid me come. And Peter, Jesus said, yes, it's me, and Peter jumped out of the boat and went walking across the water to, to Jesus. Then last week, we had, when after the, uh, went through the idea of the crucifixion, how that Peter had denied Jesus three times, and uh, they had seen how that Jesus had been resurrected from the dead, but they were still in this transition. They didn't quite know what to do with this whole idea that Jesus is resurrected and what's going to happen now. They, they weren't sure, and so the disciples had made their way, seven of them had made their way back to the Sea of Galilee, and they decided to go fishing, and they fished all night, and early morning they didn't catch a thing, and on the shore was this guy who said, throw your net on the other side of the boat. <laughs> and uh, that was me, I probably wouldn't have done it. But they listened and threw the net on the other side, and they caught so many fish they didn't know what to do with it. And John says to Peter, Peter, that's the master. Peter jumped out of the boat and swam. He didn't walk across the water that time. He swam ashore and had some time with Jesus. And then after Jesus had fed them, you know, broke bread with them and had fish with them and distributed, he asked Peter the question, do you love me? And he asked him this three times. And Peter, all three times, um, said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And that was our message last week. Well, here we are in today's lesson, and on today's message, and we're following Peter again, but we're going to talk a little more about what's going on and how Peter has changed. Peter, whenever he and the other disciples were following Jesus, you know, Peter was this brash, harsh, impetuous, impetuous Peter. He was just this guy who was, you know, insert, you know, ask questions, open mouth, insert foot. I mean, he was just this, this kind of guy. He, he never knew what he was going to do, never knew what he was going to say. Um, at one moment he's saying, and Jesus says, who do men say that I am? And Peter says, well, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says to Peter, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, Peter, but my Father in heaven. Wow, that's a really great moment. Peter's really coming along, okay? And then Jesus says that he's going to die. Peter says, oh, no, you're not going to die. We'll never allow that. And Jesus says to Peter, get me, get me behind me, Satan. You know, should think about what you say sometimes, Peter. And the idea is that the one thought that Peter had originated in God. The second thought that Peter had was not from God. Either it was from himself 
or from the evil one trying to get Jesus not to go to the cross. But either way, we have this growth and we have this, these things going on in the life of Peter. But all of the disciples that Jesus is coming, he's the Messiah, he's going to be like David, he's going to set up a kingdom in, in Jerusalem, he's going to be king, and we're going to be his vice presidents and his you know, ministers and so on that will rule over the people of Israel. When Jesus died, it all kind of fell apart. They saw the resurrection, the resurrection, but they didn't know how they fit. We had Jesus on the Sea of Galilee and with uh, Peter, do you love me? Now, what happens with the disciples? They have made their way back to Jerusalem. So there's been 50, almost about 40 days now, 30 some days, 39, 38 days, somewhere in there, that since the resurrection. And they are back in Jerusalem now. They are at Jerusalem in Acts chapter 1. We begin. And this is Luke's account of what happened. So we have the book of Luke. And then we have the book of Acts. They're written by the same guys. Okay. So now we have Peter and the disciples back in Jerusalem. And Jesus has appeared to them. And in Acts chapter 1 verse 1. Dear Theophilus. In the first volume of this book, I wrote on everything that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he said goodbye to the apostles. That's the book of Luke. Okay? And the ones he had chosen through the Holy Spirit and was taken up to heaven. That's the disciples. Being, and going to talk about here, what would happen at the ascension. After his death, he presented himself alive to them in many different settings over a period of 40 days. In face-to-face -face meetings, he talked to them about things concerning the kingdom of God. As they met and ate meals together, he told them that they were on no account to leave Jerusalem, but must wait for what the Father promised, the promise you heard from me. John baptized in water, you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and soon. So here are the disciples, they returned to Jerusalem. They were there, and we also have how that the disciples were there waiting for something to take place. So, again, Peter is in this place of transition. He's like, you know, the disciples, should we go back fishing? And they see Jesus this one last time, and Luke says, Jesus told them, wait here. Wait here. There's something more that I want to do in your life. So, Peter's beginning to understand that Jesus had to die. And it talks about here, Master, you are going to, you know, they, 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 they ask him questions in, this, in these next verses. They ask him questions. Well, Jesus, before he went to heaven, says, are you going to restore your kingdom now? Here you are, you're risen from the dead. Why aren't you just, now you're going to set up a kingdom. Now you're going to put the kingdom together and we're going to rule it. You can go to heaven and we're going to take over. <laughs> See? How long does it take for us to grasp things? <laughs> you know, you're going to look at somebody and tell them, you should get this. This is for you. Okay. <laughs> how long does it take for you to understand what I'm about to do? And in our lives, how long does it take for us to understand God has a plan for us? How long does it take for us to grasp that God is doing a work in your life. 
See, God is doing something in you. God is doing something around you. God is doing something in your spirit, in your mind, in your heart. Because God wants to teach us. He wants to train us. He wants to empower us. And Peter, we can, we, I think we can identify with Peter. We can identify with, you know, well, God, if you want me to do something, put it out there. You know, I remember there's this, this one test. If you, were, if you were running through the woods, and on the path, you're running down the path, and there's a tree laying over the path, would you stop and look on the other side, or would you just keep running and jump over it? How many would keep running and jump over it? How many would stop, kind of slow down and see what's on the other side? <laughs> okay. Now, I am not one of those because I've jumped over too many things and there wasn't anything on the other side. <laughs> okay. You know what an optimist is. You know what an, oh, okay. You know what a pessimist is. You know what a pessimist is? An optimist with experience. <laughs> Just kidding. Now, being optimistic is knowing that something good is going to come out of this, and it's not by faith in the universe, it's by faith in God. So, we, you know, we, we, we know what our character is. Again, our character is not good or bad, it is. It just is. That's who we are. So, are we supposed to run through the path and jump over every obstacle? Peter was that kind of an individual. Peter was the kind of individual, he's running down the woods, he's going to jump over the tree. If Peter comes to a cliff, he's going to jump off it. Because he knows there's something there. He knows that there's something there. And so he's just that, that you know, whenever Jesus is risen from the dead, they come back to, the, to Jerusalem, and the, the women say, the tomb's empty. Jesus isn't in there. They stole his body. What happens? Peter and John run to the tomb. John now runs Peter. John comes to the tomb. What does he do? He stops. What does Peter do? He runs right in. That's Peter. Well, here we have Peter in this situation. And he began to, he's beginning to understand. He's beginning to get it. Um, but there's still some difficulties that he has to come across. And then we have verses 9 to 13. Now these were the, his last words, speaking of Jesus. As they watched, he was taken up and disappeared into the cloud. So here's Peter and the rest of them. We're kind of looking at all of this from Peter's perspective. Okay? So we've looked at how Peter has progressed, and we saw this through you know, his being called, his being on the Sea of Galilee, his response again at the Sea of Galilee, do you love me? And here we're looking at it from Peter's perspective again, even though Luke is the author here. So these were his last words as they watched. Peter's in the group. He was taken up. Jesus was taken up and disappeared in the clouds. They stood there, staring into the empty sky. They saw Jesus. They saw him go up. Saw him disappear. Suddenly, two men appeared in white robes. They said, you Galileans, why do you just stand here looking up in an empty sky? This very same Jesus who was taken up from among you to heaven will come as certainly and mysteriously as he left. So, we've got some stuff going on here. For us, it's an understanding Jesus is risen, he has ascended. Other scriptures teach us 
that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. He's ever interceding for us. Where's Tad? He ever interceded. That's a song. That's a new song for you to sing. He ever interceded. He lives to intercede for us. He intercedes for us. This reminds me of your voice, the person who sings that. <laughs> so, but he's ever interceding. So they're watching. And who's there? And they left the Mount of Olives and returned to Jerusalem. It was a little over a half a mile from the Mount of Olives to Jerusalem. They went to the upper room that they had been using as a meeting place. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew. James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon the zealot, Judas, the son of James. So these are the individuals who went to the upper room and that they were there. And they began to wait there. See, there was a challenge that Jesus, or direction that Jesus had given them. He told them, told Peter, along with the others, now I want you to go, go into heaven, now I want you to go to Jerusalem, and I want you to wait there. Well, I want you to wait there. In the Sunday school lesson uh, this morning, I said about how that we need to read the book of John. And how that as we read it, we want to take some time to read it. And especially as you read the first chapter of John, you start reading about how that John is telling about this logos, about the word, but he doesn't tell us who it is that he's talking about. And as you read that, I'm, I'm going to speak on that some week, but you read it over and think about it. He doesn't tell us who, who's, who, who it is that he is describing but he describes him as this being that was there in creation. And that this, this God who was there in creation, and without him, nothing was created. And then we find out later in the chapter, it's Jesus. So the disciples are in the upper room. They're praying and they're waiting. In our lives, there are things that we need to pray about. We need to just sit down Stop and pray. It's not very hard, but it is very hard. Because, well, what am I going to pray about? And as soon as, I, as soon as I get there and I start to pray or I start to think on God, my mind takes off. <laughs> okay? Guess what? That's always going to happen. No matter how much your mind wanders, always bring it back. It lets us know that our mind is not something we can just turn on and off. We have to direct it. The Bible tells us to think about your thoughts. What is it that you think about? See, that's why we talk about music and what we listen to. The music will take us. The things that we watch on television. The things that we hear, our friends, what they talk about. All those things are leading us in a particular direction. And is it the direction that we want to be led in our spirit? God wants to lead us to a particular place. And here is Peter. And Peter has come a long way from that brash fisherman 
that impetuous Peter that joined the, the disciples and, wow, I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna to be like, I'm going to be with this Jesus and he's the Messiah and uh, I'm going to be one of his big, big, I'm going to be big in his kingdom. <laughs> yes, I am. And Jesus, you're going to die. Don't worry about it, Jesus. I'll take care of you. <laughs> they, they, they come and get you. I'll fight for them. I'll, I'll die with you. <laughs> That's Peter. Uh, Peter, you will deny me three times. Oh, no, not me, not me. See, brash, impetuous Peter. But now that's all been changed. That's all been behind him. And things are changing from this, I'm going to be number one or two in the kingdom. Things are changing. Hmm. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. When the Feast of Pentecost came, Pentecost is 50 days after Easter, okay? After Passover. And so, um, so they were 50 days from the crucifixion when the lamb in the, in, in the Jewish system was crucified, when the lamb was sacrificed and for the blood was shed for the, the sins of the people. So it was 50 days from that point to the time in which Jesus Uh, in which Pentecost came, in which the Holy Spirit was to come. So when the Feast of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Who was together? The primary followers and believers of Jesus. There were 120 of them, we are told. And they are in this place called the Upper Room. Without warning, there was a sound like a strong wind. Gale force, the sound of it. You ever, you're, you go outside, you hear the wind, and you go outside, you know, especially now, and that wind just blows right through you. You can hear it coming, and you go out there and it blows through you. But here in the upper room, they heard the sound of a mighty rushing wind, but they didn't feel anything. It wasn't like they weren't blown over by this force. So it was hearing something, but not being blown out of the building. No one could tell where it was coming from. There was this humongous sound going on. It filled the whole building. This sound reverberated through this building. So it sounded like a great mighty wind and it got all of their attention, but they weren't being blown out of the building. Then like wildfire, the Holy Spirit spread through their ranks. They started speaking in a number of different languages as the Spirit prompted them. This was Pentecost. They began to speak in a language that they had never never learned. They had heard all of these things. And they began to speak in a language that they had not learned. We say, whoa, wait a minute. What's, you know, how can you speak in a language that you don't learn? Well, the, the Bible says, As the Holy Spirit enabled them, they spoke in this language. Many times you can't get your thinking around that one. You know, how can I speak some language that I've never learned? Well, what happened here is that the Holy Spirit came inside of them, and the Bible calls it, uh, in King James, because they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. If you've ever jumped into 
water. You know, you you in sunk on beneath the beneath the surface. You have been immersed. You have immersed yourself in water, while the Holy Spirit came and immersed them in this power of His presence, and they were immersed, and there was such a change inside of them that they began to speak in a language that they didn't know. We say, well, that's a little bit odd, but look what happens. Verse 5. There were many Jews staying in Jerusalem just then, devout pilgrims. It was Pentecost. There are lots of people from all over the world in Jerusalem. And they heard this roaring sound just like the disciples inside the room heard it, inside the building heard it, there were people outside heard it. And so this wasn't something that was isolated with the 120 in the upper room that had this experience and nobody else knew about it. This was something that happened in the upper room. Peter is in here. Peter is in this group. And there's something going on in this, group, in this room in which there is this humongous sound of a rushing wind. And then there is this immersion that takes place inside of them where the Spirit of God just overflows them and dwells them. And they begin to speak in a language. And it says, the Jews in Jerusalem, devout pilgrims from all over the world, when they heard the sound, when they heard the sound, they came on the run. Something's happening. That building's going to blow up. That building is, there's something going on. There's a great sound coming out of that. You know, today we would call the police and say, go shut those speakers off and those people are going to blow us up, you know, with all of their sound and disturbing the peace. Well, there were no loudspeakers. There was this great empowerment of the Spirit that came. Then when they heard one after another, their own mother tongues being spoken, they were thunderstruck. They were awestruck. Here are these people inside this room, great sound of a rushing wind. They come running to the building and they hear the people inside that room. What's coming out of that room is something they understand. They couldn't, for the life of them, figure out what was going on. They kept saying, aren't these all Galileans? How come we're hearing them talk in our own various mother tongues? For these people who were in Jerusalem were from Pantheons, Medes, Elamites. They were visitors from Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Physia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya beyond the Cyrenes, immigrants from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, even Cretans and Arabs. There were a whole group of different languages represented here. And inside that room, inside that building, there were people, and what were they doing? They were speaking our languages, describing God's mighty works. The people in the room were speaking in a language that they had never learned. But what they were speaking about were speaking about the glory of God and God's mighty works. And the people outside 
heard them in their own language. <laughs> so that's a miracle. It is. I remember hearing experiences whenever I was a child of individuals who were baptized in the Holy Spirit and how that they had spoken in languages, spoken tongues. And there were a number of immigrants who had come from a remote village in Europe and that they had their own dialect of their language. And here was a person in a church talking in their dialect that they came from over in Europe, speaking perfectly and fluently to these people about God. It is a work of God, not something that we do in a hysteria or some babble. It is, it is accompanied with the power. And see, this is what is going on with Peter. How does Peter change? Peter changes... All through the process, he's understanding what God is doing. He's understanding that something different is going on. And he had it all in his mind. He was going to be one thing. He was going to be Peter, Jesus, number one man. And he dies. He denies. And he's dejected. But Jesus comes, restores, tells him to go and wait, tells him to pray. And to seek. And Peter goes and prays and he seeks. And then we have verse 14. So, what's going on? The upper room has this sound of a great rushing wind, but there's no wind. There is the power of the Spirit, and the Holy Spirit, as it were, comes in. There's like fire in, in this room, but it's not being consumed. And then the fire, as it were, immerses these individuals, and they begin to speak in a language that they had never known before. And the people outside are hearing them talk about God and all of the glory of God and all the great things that God has done. And they're in amazement. How do they know my language? And after all this has kind of settled down, that's when Peter stood up and back, beckoned, excuse me, and backed by the other 11, spoke out with bold urgency. Suddenly, Peter, impetuous Peter, suddenly Peter stood up because everybody's wondering. What's going on? Who's going to be the spokesperson? And Peter, who is now empowered by this indwelling presence, begins to talk. And he was backed by the eleven. Follow fellow Jews, all of you who are visiting Jerusalem, listen carefully. And get this story straight. These people aren't drunk, as some of you suspect. They haven't had time to get drunk. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. This is what the prophet Joel announced would happen. Suddenly, Peter has an understanding of what's going on. Impetuous Peter. The Peter who jumped out of the boat. The Peter who 
denied Jesus. The Peter who jumped out of the boat and swam to shore. And Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? Is now in this upper room. All of this has happened. Most of it took three years. But then in a matter of 40, 50 days, he goes from, well, that was a good run. (laughs) I don't know what we're going to do now. He stands up and begins to speak and explain things that he knew but never put together. He knew but never put together. That's the Holy Spirit working in our lives. Things that we are aware of. Things that we dream about. We know about. But we just can't put it together. God is at work in your life. And the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the same Spirit that was here on the day of Pentecost is the same Holy Spirit that speaks to your heart and mine as we take communion, as we pray, as we sing songs. It's the same God. It's the same Spirit that works in us. And that Holy Spirit comes inside of us by our asking. You know, He doesn't forcibly come in. He comes to us, presents himself, and we pray. We ask. And Peter begins. He says, now here's Peter. And and this is a very impromptu situation. Peter's good at that. (laughs) He's he's impetuous Peter, but he stands up. He begins to speak, and he says, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on every kind of people. Your sons will prophesy, also your daughters. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. When the time comes, I'll pour out my Spirit on those who serve me, men and women both, and they'll prophesy. I'll set wonders in the skies above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billowing smoke and the sun turning back black and the moon blood red. Before the day of the Lord arrives, the day tremendous and marvelous, and whoever calls out for help to me, God will save. Wow. Can you imagine Peter? This is Peter. This is the same Peter. Hey, listen to Peter. What's got into him? That's what happens to us. Who gets into us? It's God. And Peter is changing. Then we go on verse 22. Fellow Israelites, listen carefully to these words. Peter is now, something has happened and there's a change going on in his thinking. There's a change. He didn't know where he was going to be. He didn't know how all of this was going to work just a few days prior to this. But when he's praying, when he is listening for God, And when God comes in a a real, personal way inside of Peter's life, everything begins to take on a different perspective and a different direction. And that's what's going on in us. God has come to show up inside of us in a very direct way. A direct way that will give us peace in our heart. A direct way that will give us direction for our lives, that He will inspire His Word 
to our hearts that we can pray for our lives, for our loved ones, for our children, our grandchildren, for our neighbors, for our government, that he will inspire his word in our heart and we will pray. Just as Peter is here declaring, These are, this is what the prophet Joel spoke about. It made sense. Did he know this before? Yes. Did he know how it would work for his life and for the early church? No. But when the Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, it changed Peter. And it suddenly began to understand. Listen carefully to these words. He goes on to talk about Jesus, the Nazarene, the man thoroughly accredited by God to you. The miracles and wonders and signs that God did through him are common knowledge. This Jesus, following the uh, deliberate and well-thought-out plan of God, Peter wanted to keep Jesus from dying. He, f- he was going to fight until the death. And he cut off the ear of the guy, the, the soldier. And Jesus says to Peter, put away the sword. Picked up the guy's ear and healed his, this, this servant. Put it back on. And he said to Peter, just stamp, step back. Here, Peter says, Jesus, following the deliberate and well-thought-out plan of God, was betrayed by men who took the law in their own hands and was handed over to you. You see, now Peter has an understanding of it. When did the light go on? When did the understanding come to Peter? It came when he was there in that upper room and God's Spirit came inside of him and and an overwhelming presence, of, as it were, of fire and changed him from the inside out. We are Peter. We are Peter. Where are we at in the journey? Where are we at in the progression? And maybe I'll speak again on Peter next week. I'm not quite sure. I might go back to John 1. But one of the, it's, it's like, we're Peter. And Peter, I think, is one of those guys that we can identify with. Sometimes we're impetuous and jump out of the boat. Sometimes we think grandiose dreams. And sometimes... We're just in prayer, and it comes together. Oh, that's what he meant. That's what the Scriptures mean. That's what God is trying to do in my life. And that's us. That's a God moment. When God does something miraculous in our life. And what is the miraculous? Peter here says, Jesus came and fulfilled the well-planned, the well-thought-out plan of God. Peter didn't understand that just a few days earlier. Peter didn't understand that 50 days earlier whenever he was trying to kill the people who were arresting Jesus. He didn't understand it. But now, things have changed. And in our lives, it takes God It takes God to reveal God in us. I can give you the words. I can present the scripture. But it's God who makes it real to you. Hmm. It's God 
who makes it real to you. And he comes in a still, small voice. This is the way. Walk ye in it. It often doesn't come like this happened in Pentecost. It often comes in that still, small voice. And when God speaks to you, it brings peace. It's not fear. It's not failure. It's peace. My peace I give unto you. Not like the world gives. I have a whole different peace that will lead you in the paths of righteousness. God has come to be our guide. He has come to be our Savior. He has come to be our friend. He has come to never leave us nor forsake us. He has come to be with us. Shall we stand? Jesus, we thank you that you are the healer. We pray, O oh Lord, for our little ones who are sick. We pray, Lord, that you touch and heal. We pray, Lord, for the ones that are still in their mother's wombs. We pray, God, that you be with the mothers and the babies. Help them in this time of transition, this time of birth. I pray, O oh God, for each of us as we are in a time of birth, of change, of transition. Sometimes it's just moving from one thought to an understanding of a thought. As Peter, from thinking he was going to be second in command, to finding out that God had a whole different plan for him and it all started to make sense. Father, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, that you touch us in our hearts. You make a difference inside of us. And Lord, it is from there that we make a difference in all that we say and do. Hear our prayer, Lord. Hear our prayer. Forgive us. Restore us. Give us strength for this moment. Give us understanding and hope. Give us direction and life. For, O oh Lord, everything that we receive of you never diminishes who you are. It only continues to increase in us. God, I pray your Spirit, as on the day of Pentecost came and filled all of those in that room, I pray, O oh God, for your Holy Spirit to settle upon us and fill each of us to overflowing with your presence, your power. Change us, O oh God, we pray. Fill us to overflowing. Fill us to overflowing. By your Spirit we ask. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. Go splash somebody with the Spirit today, all right? <laughs>